Now, the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Columbus and Jim Garrity. And welcome, everyone, to the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch, along with Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. We have bad, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. All of it brought to you by ZipRecruiter, ZipRecruiter.com slash martini. Much more on that in just a moment. Jim, let's begin with our first bad martini. And to no one's surprise, it's Michael Cohen's testimony before the House Oversight Committee today. It's bad in a number of ways. Uh, let's start off with the fact that Michael Cohen is a couple months away from going to federal prison for a number of years uh, for a number of crimes, but uh, lying to Congress is one of them. And so he's the first major witness from the Democratic majority on the House Oversight Committee. And uh, he touted his own credibility today with this line. For those who question my motives for being here today, I understand. I have lied, but I am not a liar. While I get you on that one, here's what he had to say about President Trump. I am ashamed that I chose to take part in concealing Mr. Trump's illicit acts rather than listening to my own conscience. I am ashamed because I know what Mr. Trump is. He is a racist, he is a con man, and he is a cheat. He also went on to say that Trump uh, is, in fact, individual one in the court documents surrounding his case, which is the worst-kept secret in jurisprudence. And he also said that Trump... uh, lied uh, about the the Trump Tower project in Moscow, and that while Trump didn't specifically tell him to lie to Congress about it, uh, the Trump lawyers uh, crafted his testimony. So essentially he did. So, uh, Jim, what do you make of this spectacle with the convicted liar uh, now uh, spilling the beans, uh, so to speak, on President Trump? You know, Greg, this annoyed me more than I thought it was going to. I thought I was ready for it. (laughs) I had braced myself. I had written in today's morning jolt that, look, there are no heroes in this story. There are no good guys. This is the Iran-Iraq war. This is alien versus predator. You know, insert whatever villain versus villain. There is nobody who's on the side of the angels in this one. But Cohen ended up really annoying me. And in part of it, because I think he really seems to believe he can fool the rest of us into seeing him as a noble whistleblower. Uh, who who has finally seen too much and must come forward? And oh, by the way, yeah, he you know lied in this exact situation not that long ago. Counselor, you were in this, you know what, up to your eyeballs for a decade. So don't tell me how troubled your conscience was all along. I guess we could suppose we could say, Greg, that he spent the better part of ten years working for you know then private citizen Trump, and then up until May 2018 for President Trump. And that entire time, Greg, he was wrestling with his conscience. And doggone if he didn't manage to pin his conscience every single time. Huh. Kind of interesting. <laughs> um, now, look, his portrait of Trump world being full of mendacity and sleaze and corruption, it, it all sounds plausible enough. It's not like we're, you know, anything, a lot of what he's saying, you know, variations of his, you know, S-word whole countries. And so we've heard versions of that from Trump or from other people around Trump uh, at various points before he was uh, elected into office and after. Um, But I'm going to need more than just Michael Cohen's word before I I accept this. Um, This is, you know, I I guess it's one of the things really annoying here is that, you know, you're seeing the the Democrats, a couple of Democrats are are openly acknowledging you're something of a flawed 
witness here. <laughs> we have good reason to doubt you, not just because of your previous record and, and sleaziness, but because you literally lied about this before. Um, and when he goes and plays games like I lied, but I am not a liar. Um, you just you just want to give him a dictionary. <laughs> you just want him to, you know, look, look at that more carefully. Or what is I lied a lot before under oath, but take me seriously and trust me under oath now. And I'm sorry, I just don't. Um, the third thing that is kind of annoying is just the camera. You know, we saw this during the Kavanaugh hearings last year. We've seen this in just about every high-profile hearing uh, to come down the pike in the last couple of years. But um, the camera preening, the antics, the these things like that but from members of Congress, uh, I think is genuinely embarrassing for the country. You would not hire this crew to get to the bottom of anything. Um, they clearly think that they can turn this into some sort of good fundraising uh, YouTube video or something like that. They, they don't really aren't focused on, on getting to the actual straight answers and stuff. Um, people are pointing out that, you know, the, the Republicans on the committee are generally pointing out, you know, Michael Cohen, yes, you're saying these terrible things about the president, but aren't you sleaze? And yes, Michael Cohen is sleaze. He was also someone who was hired by Trump and happily employed by Trump for the better part of a decade. So, you know, kind of hard to understand um, how anybody thinks they come out of this uh, looking good. Um, I think this, will this do damage to the president? Look, I mean, Cohen in his 30-minute opening statement offers this really ugly portrait of Trump the man, Trump the mogul, uh, Trump the candidate, and ultimately Trump the president. On the other hand, I don't think that much of it is, is shocking news to the country. I think the country had a pretty clear picture of his uh, character and the kind of man he was in 2016, and they voted for him anyway because they liked him better than the options. We'll see what happens in 2020 here. But uh, in the mind, the other thing is also that uh, one of Cohen's key point is that he says he was never directly told by the president to lie to Congress, but the president told me to lie in his own way, which is kind of, I guess, kind of assuming the wink and the nod, or he would say things to, uh, to Cohen, then go out and say things that were untrue to the public and that Cohen understood he was being told to lie. I don't think that would meet the standard of suborning perjury. Uh, I suppose different prosecutors might have different points of view. Um, look, this is all building up towards impeachment, and I think Democrats will point to this a great deal. I, I just don't think they grasp how unpersuasive it is. Of course Trump did these terrible things. Michael Cohen said he did it. You know, <laughs> After swearing an oath to, you know, to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help him God. You know, by golly, he wouldn't lie under circumstances like that, would he? <laughs> yeah. And uh, while the preening goes on and you have these five minute questioning sessions, so there's no continuity. But then the member, you know, goes on and on for about four and a half minutes and uh, leaves about 20 seconds left for the person to actually answer any questions. So that's always fun. But Jim Jordan and uh, one other member uh, did a pretty good job of pointing out all the things Cohen was convicted for that had nothing to do with Trump and said to Trump. Did Trump make you lie there? Did Trump make you cheat there? And so he had to admit there. But uh, yeah, I'm, there's no there's no question that uh, Trump world is, is not one we would want to be part of. But here's one other thing. Uh, he was pushed by W. Wasserman Schultz uh, about possible collusion, said he didn't know anything really about that, or at least not enough to, to state uh, on the record what he thought. But here's a statement from his opening that I think is kind of interesting on that front. Donald Trump is a man who ran for office to make his brand great, not to make our country great. He had no desire or intention to lead this nation, only to market himself and to build his wealth and power. Mr. Trump would often say, 
this campaign was going to be the greatest infomercial in political history. He never expected to win the primary. He never expected to win the general election. The campaign, for him, was always a marketing opportunity. And, of course, that sounds really sleazy. But, uh, Jim, if that's your goal, that kind of weakens the argument that you're colluding with the Russians to win it, right? At other points in his testimony, he says explicitly, Trump would do anything to win. Well, that doesn't really fit with the he didn't expect to win mentality. Um, I think the other contradiction that jumped out to me is that, you know, most of his opening statement is basically laying out a demon's resume and all manner of sins and dishonesty and sleaze and affairs and cover-ups and and, and all of that. Um, but then at other point, though, in his questioning, he said, I was extremely proud to be the personal attorney to the president of the United States when he says that he was not seeking an administration job. So he's the worst guy ever, but you were very proud to work for him? <laughs> Mr. Cohen, you know, if it's a shame we don't get to question them, Greg, because I'd like to say, like, Mr. Cohen, do you listen to yourself or do you just just let the words come out and hope they make sense? All right. Let's move on to another bad, really bad story here. Actually, no, we don't. We need to talk about Zip Recruiter. <laughs> we, let's, let's recruit some better lawyers. A lot of people might need them. Yeah, let's cleanse the palate here. Uh, let's talk about some good news and the fact that you can hire some quality people, like Jim said, uh, perhaps to be your lawyer or to just provide ethical guidance in general. I assume so. The, many of those people still exist outside of the people involved in the story we just talked about, and that's where Zip Recruiter comes in. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. And that place is ZipRecruiter.com slash martini. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, three Martini Lunch listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash martini. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash M-A-R-T-I-N-I. ZipRecruiter.com slash martini. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, Jim, let's move to our second bad martini now. And if uh, been a lighter topic of nuclear war. Yeah, yeah, very simple. Nothing complicated here at all. CNN, Pakistan says its Air Force shot down two Indian fighter jets over the disputed border region of Kashmir in a significant escalation of the crisis between the two nuclear armed powers. India confirmed the loss of one plane and said it shot down a Pakistani jet as it responded to the incident. The confrontation came a day after India said it launched airstrikes in Pakistan territory in the first such incursion by Indian Air Force planes since the India-Pakistan War of 1971. Pakistan's chief military spokesperson claimed two Indian jets were down in Wednesday's operation. One fell inside Pakistan-controlled Kashmir, while another went down in the Indian-controlled region of Kashmir. He initially claimed two Indian pilots were arrested, but said one was being treated for injuries in a military hospital. Later, he said only one was in custody. So, Jim, we'll see if this escalates beyond this. Uh, India allegedly attacking some Pakistani uh, terror sites, non-military targets, they insist. But uh, those of us old enough to remember about roughly 20 years ago, maybe a little bit uh, more than 
that just after these two countries became nuclear powers, they were very, very close to a nuclear war, again over the disputed area of Kashmir. So uh, we got enough hot spots in this world from North Korea to Venezuela and uh, many other places, the Middle East, obviously. And now we got this flaring up again. Yeah, Greg, I know India and Pakistan have had tensions for a long time. You ask people, what do they worry about? People who really study international affairs. Usually this makes the top 10. Uh, two countries that hate each other's guts and have territorial disputes and have nuclear weapons is generally a very highly charged environment. But we tend to move, yeah, you know, this stuff goes on all the time. Now, the thing is that they're allegedly either shooting down each other's planes or claiming to have shot down each other's planes and go over, flying over each other's airspace and things like that. That would tend, you'd think that'd be a big deal. <laughs> you'd think that'd be the sort of thing that, hey, you know, I know the Cohen thing's going on. I know Trump's meeting with Kim Jong-un uh, in Vietnam over, over, you know, North Korea's nuclear program. Uh, but you'd think this would break into the news cycle. Apparently someone was watching earlier today and said that Fox News mentioned it briefly. Maybe Fox News is a little less interested in the Cohen testimony than the other networks. Uh, CNN and MSNBC did not mention it at all in a like a two-hour span this morning. Um, I mean, you know, you'd like to think this would be big news before any nukes go off. As far as we know, there has not been any discussion or worries about this becoming a, a nuclear exchange. Um, but it's worth noting that no, very rarely do you plan those sorts of things. And we have two countries that... Um, have populaces that are that are you know uh, full of hostility towards the other, um, who will likely react strongly to any act of violence they they perceive as a provocation. They will demand retaliation, and it's very easy to see this sort of thing spiraling out of control pretty quickly. So, um, bad news, and you know it's interesting. Every now and then, I think it was Peggy Noonan wrote last weekend, observing that uh, the Trump administration really hasn't had any five-alarm fire on the global scene. Um, North Korea, you know, firing off test missiles and things like that. Um, Terror attacks. We haven't had a major terrorist attack here on on the home front uh, from, you know, Islamists or anything like that. We've had various alerts, various, you know, small-scale problems. Uh, You just kind of wonder at some point the luck has to run out. And, you you know, this is an administration that's been through a bunch of national security advisors, two, two secretaries of defense, two secretaries of state, uh, two CIA directors. You know, there's been a lot of churn in this administration. I hope everybody's settled in and I hope everybody's ready because this sounds like the sort of situation that, you know, hopefully calms down very quickly and this just turns into a bit of a blip on the radar screen. Uh, Or, you know, the the worst case scenario here is two nuclear powers going, you know, toe to toe with each other. uh, And, you know, the rest of the world desperately trying to uh, hold them back from reenacting some ABC miniseries from the 80s. That's a reference to the day after for anyone who (laughs) doesn't always understand my subtle references. All right, let's move on to our final martini now, Jim. And we're going to classify this one as crazy, but kind of fun. Politico, House Republicans managed to quash Democrats' hearings on climate change Tuesday by outvoting the majority party at the poorly attended event, forcing it to adjourn only minutes after it began. The hearing of the House Natural Resources Panel was to be the latest to dive into climate change since Democrats took control of the House last month, bringing new attention to the issue they complained Republicans had ignored during their eight years leading the chamber. The hearing was designed to probe the quote-unquote denial playbook that Democrats say fossil fuel backers have copied from cigarette companies, the same tactics used by opioid makers and the National Football League to dispute strong scientific evidence. 
But Texas Republican Louis Gohmert took issue with the notion that the topic was within the panel's jurisdiction. He quickly motioned to adjourn the hearing before the witnesses could even deliver their opening statements. That motion quickly passed with the four Republicans present outvoting the two Democrats in the room. So the hearing officially adjourned. The two Democrats who were left still let the witnesses speak, but it wasn't an official hearing at that point. So, Jim, it's fascinating that this issue that we have to address, it's urgent. We have to spend $93 trillion on it now in the next 10 years, but we can't bother to show up for a hearing. Greg, we don't have time for hearings. <laughs> we have to pass the legislation without even reading it. That's, a, that's how pressing this crisis is. Yeah. Look. Nothing less than the fate of the planet is at stake here, Greg. But I mean, come on, those those hearings are boring, Greg. <laughs> can't can't expect us to sit through there. Um, by the way, if anyone gets a chance to visit Washington D.C., I hope you get a chance to you know see the wonderful Smithsonian Museums, Washington Monument, and things like that. But I, I do hope that most Americans, at some point in their lives, get to watch Congress in action and not just on television. You know, when you get stuff like the, the Cohen hearings, you're going to get fireworks. You're going to get preening for the cameras and everything I was lamenting earlier. But you will you know, watch a non-exciting, <laughs> a non-top-tier congressional hearing or markup or something like that. You, you might be kind of surprised, one, by how sparse the attendance is. Um, and you could say, ah, you know, these lazy members of Congress aren't, you know, well, it is also worth noting that most members of Congress are on at least two committees. Uh, in the Senate, they're on a bunch. They, you know, most of the committees are broken up into four or five different subcommittees. Legislation has to go to a subcommittee, gets to go through a subcommittee before it goes to the full committee, then the full committee to the House. You, everybody saw how a bill becomes a law from Schoolhouse Rock, right? We're all familiar with that? Okay, great. Um, and you, you often will have more than one hearing or markup or floor, you know, uh, going on at the same time. And oh, by the way, the floor votes can pretty much happen with, you know, not much warning at any time. You know, the, the leadership tries to schedule it between a certain number of hours. Uh, they try not to do it anything before Monday night at the earliest. And at the earliest, it's going to be like, you know, the renaming the post office style pieces of legislation. It's not going to be the, the, you know, the really important stuff the stuff that's probably going to pass by voice vote. Then you've got the stuff on Friday afternoon. Very rarely would you get one because everybody's got to get on a plane to get back to their district because nobody wants to be seen as ignoring their district. Look, life can be tough for members of Congress. It can be a little more challenging than it looks from the outside. All of that having been said, when only two members show up for a hearing on this, it indicates I don't think that it's, you know, again, if you think this is the life or death uh, we need to redo every single building in America. We need to change 90% of our energy sources uh, in the next 10 years. You know, we, this time is running out. But, you know, then, then you really should show up for the hearings. That's, that's real. If you're expecting us to give up meat, you got to show up for the hearings. I think that's <laughs> the bare minimum there. So, Jim, interestingly, we've had three amazing stories today that uh, we haven't really talked about. The president uh, in Vietnam meeting with uh, Kim Jong-un. Rumor has it he's staying up through the night over there to watch the Cohen hearing. So I'm sure the talks today will go great. Yeah, I can't wait for the Twitter outrush. Look, look this way. If there's anything that makes negotiations over a da- with a dangerous regime over a nuclear program work better, it's not sleeping through the night. <laughs> Sleep deprivation is great for working out tense negotiations. Hey, what's the worst that could happen, Greg? At least it's Friday. <laughs> Oh, Jim, lucky you. You get the day off tomorrow. Uh, you don't, uh, you'll be at CPAC. And so, uh, no, well, the reason I'm skipping the podcast, Greg, is because I have to go to CPAC and give a talk about the importance of doing a podcast every day. <laughs> By the way, if you'll be at CPAC, please attend. Um, and you can make fun of me for, for abandoning Greg and 
getting someone to fill in for me tomorrow. <laughs> Exciting stuff. Enjoy that. Uh, we knew this was going to be a crazy week. It's not falling short so far. Jim, we'll talk to you Friday. See you Friday, Greg. Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. And don't forget about the great offer at ZipRecruiter. Our listeners can try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash martini. And tune in Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch.